Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles or devices to Proverbs chapter 3. And if I see your devices, I will know that you have your Bible app open and not Facebook. So, welcome this morning. Welcome to those who are on Zoom or going to be watching this uh, at a later time online. So glad to have you with us this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, continuing our series in Proverbs, Living Your Best Life. Uh, once again, this morning, I want to show you to start a series of pictures. So here they are. So get a load of these guys. I know Rob likes these. Okay. Here they are. Okay, now you can back up and back up to, we don't need to get that yet. Okay, so <clears throat> what do all these have in common? Superheroes, right? Superheroes, something about superheroes, isn't there? I mean, we've enjoyed them since we were kids, right? Can I say uh, that, that, that we envy their abilities, right? When, when we're little kids, especially, I mean, how many little kids... Uh, yesterday, a trunk or treat had on some kind of superhero costume, right? We want to be like them. We love superheroes. Pretend to be them. My older brother, when he was very young, uh, donned a cape and thought he could fly down the cellar stairs. Yeah. He got banged up pretty good. Fortunately, nothing was broken uh, except maybe his pride. <laughs> um, so, so what do superheroes do? Uh, let, let, me, let me take a stab at this. Superheroes write letters to Congress so that we can have better laws to curb crime, right? No. What do they do with crime and criminals? They, they, they fight? They fight? Does that mean that there's violence? Uh-oh. Well, I hate to burst y'all's bubble, but guess we can't admire superheroes anymore. Sorry. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 31 says this, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. There you go. So long, Superman. We can't like you anymore. Is that what the Bible's saying? No. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, to prove that, we only need to look at Jesus. We all know who Jesus is, right? John chapter 2, verse 13 says this. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Do you think that was a little bit violent? Yeah, I think so. And just wait till he comes back for the final showdown against the devil and his armies. I would say there's going to be a little bit of violence there, right? Um, so can we not look up to Jesus anymore? Right, so what gives here? Is, is the Bible saying that anyone who does any violence for any reason is bad? No, not hardly. What we're looking at here is motive, isn't it? 
motive. Okay? The motive of a superhero is to fight the forces of evil, right? For peace and for uh, preserve life and justice, right? Same, same motive Jesus had when he took that whip of cords and uh, chased those out of the temple that had corrupted the worship of God into some kind of marketplace, right? Um, an opportunity to cheat and steal and get rich. So contrast that with someone like Adolf Hitler or Alexander the Great or Al Capone, right? Those who used violence uh, in search of wealth and power and domination. I think it's safe to say, as we look at our Bible verse, um, that the man of violence the Bible is speaking to here is someone who uses violence for selfish gain. Amen? So I had, I, reading this, meditating on it, I had two thoughts. The first one was this. What is violence? Does it have to be physical? Can it be mental? Emotional? Sure it can. Anyone ever have heard the term passive-aggressive? Right? Passive-aggressive behavior defined by the American Psychological Association is defined as behavior that is seemingly innocuous, accidental, or neutral, but that indirectly displays an unconscious, aggressive motive. There's that word again, motive. Giving someone the silent treatment. Procrastinating when someone's counting on you to do something. Sarcasm or those little subtle digs, right? Pouting or sighing loudly all while acting like nothing's wrong. I heard that sigh. <laughs> Insulting someone and then saying, oh, I was only kidding. Instead of talking to someone about an offense right, that you've suffered, complaining about other people that do the same thing. Pretending to be a friend while talking behind someone's back. All these things, again, not aggressive, right? Not outwardly violent in a physical sense, but the motive is aggressive, isn't it? There is intent, intent behind these actions. Intent to gain power or control or to retaliate for a hurt suffered or to overcome insecurity by coming out on top or to manipulate someone or a situation to get what is wanted. So what we're really talking about here is someone using some kind of force that in some way is injurious to someone else to get what they want. See the broader perspective here? Using some kind of force in some way that's injurious to sue another person in order to get what I want. Kate and I just watched a movie this week based on the true story of Ray Kroc, uh, former CEO of McDonald's Corporation, who basically stole the company from the McDonald brothers. Interesting. Uh, they took a little liberties in the movie, but... Um, Interesting how it came about. Some people might admire Ray as a shrewd businessman, you know, making millions and hundreds of millions of dollars 
and turning McDonald's into this international extravaganza, right? Um, enjoying for himself the good life. Remember when you were young, um, how maybe, just maybe deep inside, we kind of envied the kid who, uh, uh, well, he had a gang of friends and dated the cheerleader guys, remember that? Um, although he was kind of a bully, but we still kind of liked what he had, right? Or ladies, that cheerleader, you know, who always got invited to everything and was most popular, although she was spoiled brat and manipulative, right? But you still kind of envy what they have kind of things, right? God says don't envy those kind of people that have what we'd like to have but climb over other people to get it. Second thought that came to me was this. You know, we've all had conflicts with other people, haven't we, through the years? I mean, it starts when you're, you know, a toddler over toys or attention, right? And it just keeps going up through job promotions or, or all kinds of things, conflicts that we have with other people because they're standing in the way of what we want or a situation that we want to happen. And we have these conflicts with other people. Have them all the time. Probably have some this week. Um, the question is, as I sat there this week and asked myself, how far will I go to get my way? How far will I go to get what I want? Will I get physical? Will I raise my voice? Right? Will I lie or cheat? Will I call somebody a name or degrade them in one way, shape, or form? Get in that little dig. Push their buttons. Give them the silent treatment. Can I ask you this morning, which one of those is crossing the line? All of them, right? All of them. Because none of these things are consistent with following Christ, are they? None of them consistent with reflecting the image of the God who created us to do just that. None of them. As we saw last week, God is love, right? Love does what? Love gives. Love spends itself for the betterment of others. How does that line up with all these things we just talked about? Complete opposite, right? Complete opposite. Whatever force we use on someone to get our personal way over them is not love, is it? So Proverbs 3 goes on, beginning verse 31. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Again, doesn't have to be physical. All these other things that we mentioned and more. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. I like that. You ever trust people in your confidence, right? It means that God's going to share with us things, right? The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. 
The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. What you and I need to understand is the difference between how the world operates and how the kingdom of God operates. They're opposites, right? In the world, the focus is on me. Me, myself, and I looking out for number one. That's how you do things in this dog-eat-dog -dog world of ours, right? That's the world's system. When the Bible speaks about the world or the cosmos, as it uh, is, is the word in the Greek, um, it speaks of that system. When, when they call uh, Satan the god of this world, that's what he reigns over, that kind of thought, that kind of activity, right? All about me, me, my, mine, right? That's the way the world operates. Whether it's aggressive or passive-aggressive, we get what we want. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, the focus is on others, to be a blessing to people around us. Jesus came as a conquering king the first time? No, as a servant, right? Here's the key, though. As we do this, we then look to the Lord to take care of our needs. See how that's different? The one, I'm using my resources and whatever I can do to get my way. The other way, I serve others and I trust Him to take care of me. It's a whole different concept, isn't it? Matthew chapter 6, probably the definitive passage on this. Matthew chapter 6, listen to these words. Therefore I tell you, Jesus said, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom, right? Seek the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Others mind it. And His righteousness. What is His righteousness? Love, not self. Love, right? Jesus promises that when we choose to live that life of love, God himself will see to our needs. It's a much better system. He's got unlimited resources, right? And it avoids all the junk 
that we do to ourselves and breaking up relationships and ticking each other off and all this kind of stuff, it's eliminated because we're just serving. We're giving. And he's talking about more than just food and clothing here, isn't he? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to, and this isn't just finances here, you know, this is a lot more expansive. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the eater will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. How does this all come about? By being a sower, by being a giver, by being a lover of other people. To bless, to seek to enrich others around us, starting with our spouses, our families, right? Our church family. Galatians, I think, 6.10 says, do good to everybody, but especially those of the household of faith. Here's a bunch of people, right? Look around that, that we can bless in different ways. Right? So how does it all come about? By sowing. And do you see where it ends up here? I love that. All things at all times, enriched in every way to abound in every Good work. So God, so we we choose to live a life of love. Then God increases us so that we can love more, so that He can increase us more, so that we can love more. So that we do you see how that perpetuates? Love it. Love it. This is the word of God. So what we see here in Proverbs and echoed throughout all the Bible is how the Lord stands against the proud and the devious, and the selfish, and the violent, but gives grace to the humble, is generous with the generous. He's a giver to the giver. That's the way the kingdom works. Okay. Someone might say, well, okay, Pastor Ron, here's one for you. Jesus gave and gave, and look what happened to him. All right? Well, yes. Jesus had a pretty specific calling to give himself totally on the cross for our pardon. But what did happen to him? He died on the cross, didn't he? Let's finish the story. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. But emptied himself, that is Jesus, by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What did happen to Jesus? He was exalted to the highest place. Right? So, rubber hits the road time. Is this going to be easy? No. First of all, it takes faith. And I mean real faith. Okay? Because I'll tell you right now what's going to happen. You're going to get inspired by the Word of God today, and you're going to say, I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to do this this week. And when it comes, push comes to shove, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a lover. I'm going to be a sower. And then what's going to happen when you make that choice is more than likely... Whoever that is, is not going to fall all over you in appreciation. Okay? May not even mention it, may not even see it, may not acknowledge it at all. Right? Or instead of feeling this, this, this great um, uh, peace and joy from the Lord, I did this. Sometimes you do stuff like that, you make a choice to do it, and you're still biting your tongue and you're still frustrated, and you're still angry and upset about something, and, and it just it doesn't go away. And you're like, okay, Lord, just bust in here and give me just these waves of joy for doing the right thing. It's not going to happen all the time. I'll tell you right now. Been there, done that. Welcome to the cross. What did Jesus say? Take up your cross daily and follow me. This is the way of the cross. The cross is not padded. The cross is not smooth. It's rough cut. It cuts and we bleed. That is the way of the cross. I'll tell you right now. Death is not fun. It's not a split second followed by waves and waves of joy and peace and everything else. No. It's your flesh and it's my flesh and it's going to scream and it's going to holler because our flesh is nothing more than a spoiled brat that's used to getting its own way. At least mine is. Right? Death is painful. And death on a cross is slow. Painful, isn't it? But if it's going to be effective, you and I have to fully experience it. We're going to have to do something for somebody, right, who doesn't acknowledge it, maybe doesn't care at all, maybe turns around and gives us grief for the good that we've done. And we just got to sit there and smile. Because that's the way it works sometimes. I don't, I don't want to paint a big rosy picture here. This is not cake, right? This, but this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. So we have, to, we have to fully experience death. But if we look at Jesus as the example, what comes after death? Resurrection. Life. Power. Joy. Right? 
And as you and I do that, enduring in faith, God will certainly uphold his end of the bargain. May not be instantaneous, probably ain't going to be instantaneous. But God will uphold his side of it. All throughout the scripture. James 1.25 But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and does what? Perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and to have full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those through who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it's going to take faith. It takes faith that perseveres. And it takes this whole change of mindset into this is the way I'm used to doing it. This is the way the kingdom works. Faith that God will come through and honor his promises. Remember Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is how it works in the kingdom. This is, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been transferred into the kingdom. And in the kingdom, you be a sower, and God sows back to you. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. It's when, it's when we step in and make it happen for ourselves. That's when we cut the flow from heaven. To us, right? Now, I'm not saying that we can't share our needs with someone or we can't have a discussion and negotiate and, hey, you know, we're married. You know, we're going to clash from time to time and, she, and Kate's going to share with me, hey, I'd like to see this. And I'm going to say, I'm not talking about, you know, you have to be a doormat and never, never share anything. But it's, it's using those resources to put down someone else to get, get our way. That's the, that's the difference, okay? It's not that we have no needs or, or anything like that. We can talk. So don't envy someone who seemingly, and I mean seemingly, gets what they want by looking out for number one. We need to throw away the old toolbox, we need to throw away the digs and the pushing buttons and the silent treatment and the raising of our voice. Right? Get what we want. Put all that stuff away. Those are tools of the devil, if you will. Right? Let's grab God's tools. Do it His way. Seek His righteousness. And watch as all these things get added to us. There's a new way in the kingdom, a better way that puts God in charge of our well-being, a way that produces better results in this life and even more in the life to come. Didn't Jesus say you're, you're laying up treasures in heaven, right? So even more on the other side. Amen? Amen. Not, 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 this isn't a way for cowards. It's going to take some work. 
but I think you're up to it, and I hope I am. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the kingdom that you've brought us into. We thank you for being a God who is faithful and honors his promises. Lord, help us to undo some of our bad habits. I know I got them. And help us to do it your way. And watch that uh, store of seed grow for us so that we can continue to do this more and more and more and more and see you glorified in our lives. Bless you. Praise you, we give you the glory and all the honor. And while our heads are bowed, can I say it again, speaking of Jesus, that he did give the ultimate because he loved each and every one of us that much. Died on that cross because we've all sinned, as the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all dishonored God in some way, shape, or form. We've all done these things against other people. We've sinned. But Jesus took each and every one of those sins, those failures, those shortcomings upon himself on the cross, the Bible says. He took them to the cross. He took them on himself, and he died in our place so that we could get transferred into a new kingdom so that we could be forgiven and brought into the family of God and loved and shown a better way. And if you've never made that decision, as Mary talked about this morning, to make Jesus your personal Savior, to be reconciled to God, to know what it is, to not just be religious or, or whatever, but to have a personal relationship with God working in your life and guiding you and showing his faithfulness to you. If that's what you want, then I invite you right now, open your heart to him. Jesus said, I stand at the door, not that you hear my voice, I'm going to come in. If that's you this morning or listening online, just say, Jesus, that's me. I understand now how good you were to me on that cross. And I thank you for dying for my sins. And I just, I give them to you, Lord. All my faults, all my failures, all my past, put it at the foot of the cross. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation that you bought for me at such a high price. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord into my heart and life, Jesus. Make your ways known to me. Teach me what it is to know you and walk with you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, open that door to Jesus here or online. Please get a hold of me. Let me know. Love to uh, put a Bible in your hand and answer questions and uh, just whatever we can do to help uh, you in, a, in the best life in, on this earth with the best family, I'm telling you, it's awesome. Amen? Amen.